happy to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcast apps, including this one, or live on YouTube today. Chat room is open. Hello to Yorgis and Lee and Dana and Kellen and Bob, who are all there live and chatting in the chat room. It is an Ask LOJ day, so we'll get to your questions, play around uh, with some graphics and all that as well. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, thanks very much. All right, Danny Ainge has spoken, and he made some interesting comments. In the Jazz press release, it's on utahjazz.com. Gabby wrote it up. It is clear that in order to optimize our opportunity, create a team that could truly contend and establish sustained success, we needed to transition our roster. In a trading of Rudy and now Donovan, it is a rare opportunity to maximize our ability to get talent and picks to best position us moving forward. We have a plan to help us assemble the championship team our fans deserve It will take time to craft our roster, and we all understand the work ahead in our commitment to that vision. That's what Danny Ainge had to say, Gabby Hunsman's uh, piece at utahjazz.com. Let let me jump on this for a second. There's a a bunch of comments in here that I think are, are really, really interesting. So the first one I thought was the comment to truly contend. Now that's... That's really interesting. What he's basically saying is that the roster that we had before, while really good and winning lots of games and putting us in a pretty good position with 49 wins last year, a 44-win season and a truncated season, a 52-awesome win, a 50-win, a 48-51. a Let me need a 51, a 48, a 50, a f- probably about a 50 if you, if you do the math, uh, a bigger win, and then a 49. So in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in seven of six of the last seven years, about a 50 win team. That that might not have been truly contending. A team that never reached the Western Conference Finals, made the second round of the playoffs with Gordon Hayward once, and then made it with Donovan Mitchell twice, was good. But in Danny Ainge's, the way I'm reading Danny Ainge's comment, to truly contend, that jumped out to me, truly contend. To truly contend, we got to do more. We didn't have anything that was truly contending. Interested in your thoughts. Like, do you feel like, I think that, I'm guessing those words were chosen intentionally. And that the word to truly contend is what we're talking about here. That he believes that there's another level by which we can be doing things. I'll be interested in the chat room. And for those of you watching on YouTube, or hit me at dlock09 gmail.com. Do you think we were in Danny's mind, truly contending for a title uh, prior to this year. And this gets to an interesting, there's an, there's a bunch of different things. I want to, I have a lot of stuff here today. I want to make sure we do get to ask LOJ. But like one of the things that I've been kind of thinking back on is, is what if that COVID year was really just a weird outlier that our players and our team figured out how to manage COVID better than everyone else. We didn't get struck by COVID. Our coaching staff did a brilliant job of how to do handle COVID in a manner in which they were prepared and prepping. A lot of teams just kind of threw it to the wind and we saw the Jazz get the one seed, beat Memphis, and then get beat in the playoffs. But that that, in some ways, if you look at the Jazz over the last seven years, that the win total that year is a little bit of an outlier. I don't want to discredit it 
in the sense that it, but I, th- I think they worked the system that year. They were brilliant that year and they got it done that year in a way that allowed them to have massive success. And in turn, maybe exceed, got our expectations higher than what we wanted. And, and Danny's looking and saying, wait a second, I'm looking at a team that six out of seven years is at 50 wins and making the first or second round of the playoffs. And 50 wins is not really contending for a title. It's a pretty valid argument. Now, 60 wins, which is what we did the year that one year, the equivalent of that's competing for a title. If you're going to win a title, usually you're up at the 55-60 win level. So truly contend was the first thing. Sustained success was the next phrase that he gets to. The other one is the rare opportunity to maximize our ability to get talent, quality talent and picks to best position us for moving forward. So we're moving forward with the goal for sustained success, a long-term depth of players and success to get going. I don't need to psychoanalyze that a great deal. I thought this was super interesting. It will take time to craft our roster. And the time is obviously the years of develop of building. And this is where I've talked about this a little bit of where I think this is heading. This is the people keep asking like how long, how long, how long. So I don't know the answer on how long, but here's the, here's the two forces that I think are taking place on one level. We have our own draft pick quality. And you can control that, frankly, by controlling your draft position. I.e., if you don't win a ton of games, you have better draft position. So in 2023, this year, this next draft, in 2024, 2025, three years, I would guess, we're going to control our draft position. And maybe even 2026, because that Oklahoma City pick gets a little funky. It really depends if we've hit or not. You play that by ear. You see how it goes. But let's say for the next three, four years, we're probably controlling our draft position. In other words, it's probably in the top 10. The way Ainge has made these trades, I also think that our draft, our picks in 2023 from Minnesota shouldn't be very good. Minnesota's going to be pretty good. It's going to be a middle-level pick. And our 2023 pick from that worst of Brooklyn on Royce O'Neal is probably not going to be great. It's going to be a good player. It's going to be a rotation player in the NBA if, if we hit. Not a star. It's not, not a top five, top 10 pick. But the way we've set this is that in 2027, when you have Cleveland and Minnesota's picks, things could have gone awry there. And as we now project up in 2026 and 2027 and start getting better, the value of those picks now increases also and they cross over where we're no longer controlling our own draft points, but we're now getting some really, really good picks, hopefully, from the acquisitions we've, we've pulled in, in in these most recent deals. That, that's, and in the midst, you're crafting, the key word here is crafting, like a piece of clay, that you're crafting this roster. So how does Colin Sexton or Lowry Markkinen fit in? And how does, how does Ubaji fix, fit in? How does Kessler fit in? As we really have two first-round draft picks this year, we have a, lot, a late lottery and a mid-first-round pick or late-first-round pick in Walker Kessler. And those two pieces are the beginning. And this is where, if you look back at Ainge in Boston, you see very clearly, like, he found the pieces, Kendrick Perkins, that he really believed in the second time, Marcus Smart, and then he moved the other ones for other pieces along the way. And that's the crafting that Danny's going to do in this roster. 
So the words that jumped out to me were truly content, craft, and certainly it's going to take time. And then I think committed to our vision. And what I think was interesting about the committed to our vision comment was Ryan Smith yesterday was at the Eccles School of Business giving a speech and he got he does most of it on business. It's, it's really interesting because Ryan's really interesting. But he talks about the jazz at one point and he equates it to business that every now and then you have to make the hard choice. That the easy choice really was for the jazz to decide to continue along at the pace that we talked about. That like, okay, first year with Donovan was 48 wins, and the next year was 50, and the next year was the equivalent of 50, and then the next year was bigger, and then last year was 49. That like, okay, and if, keep winning and, and kind of knocking on the door, but not maybe truly contending as Danny coached it, and, but instead make the, the, the route to a championship there was probably not likely. And so, you know, what do they want to do is they want to win a championship. That's the goal. You know, I've said it. As a play-by-play announcer, 50 wins is really fun. Every night's an entertainment. Calling 50 games is great. I enjoy it. It makes me happy. It's, it's, an, e- it's, an, it's an easier job, frankly. Um, and I, and I, but if I'm an owner, if I'm the general manager, if I'm the head coach, if I'm a player's, I, I, I'm not entirely convinced that that's actually what I'm that interested in being a part of. Right? I think I would rather be a part of something that is truly trying to win a championship. And that's what needs to be what it seems to be kind of being said. The the other comment in there that's that's really interesting in all of this from 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 Ryan and Danny is like that comment by Ryan, this is this is gonna be hard. There's an awareness that this is gonna be hard. There's a there's an awareness of the time on both of those. So I thought that was interesting. Um Lacey says that the outlier year was our ceiling. If we'd had a shot, it would have been that year, but obviously we weren't built for the playoffs, and then obviously we also had the injuries. Um, and I think that's that's probably true. Um, I don't think Ainge was saying that Donovan can't win a championship, but with the return for Donovan, will allow the Jazz to. That's from Rick Campbell. I, I think that's true. I don't think... Don, Danny's a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. I have a... I'm going to lead off with uh, Ask LOJ on a question I don't really love, but I, I, it was actually I got myself caught into it the other day. So we're going to hit Ask LOJ um, here in just a second. And uh, I am going to lead off the question on Ask LOJ um, in, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden as we, uh, the Murdochs, over 80 years in Utah, bringing you the best customer service possible and an incredible lineup of cars. We have two of the Santa Fe's. There's now the Santa Fe and Tucson hybrids where you plug it in. You only have a little bit of, it's not full, but if you're only doing short commutes, you never have to go buy gas. If you're doing a longer drive, you use the gas. It's kind of a great way to do it. I just got the Ionic 5. It's amazing. We've got you set up at VIP meetings, whether it's with Jacob or with Cameron at the various locations. So email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. If you're in the market for a car, and you do the research, I think you'll find out that the Hyundai will bring you the most bang for your buck that you'll be able to get 
the most value for your dollar. You'll get the most bells, the most whistles, um, and all the right pricing all coming from Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Summit Cap. Summit Capital is a group that actually invested in Locked On. Uh, Matt Peterson and uh, David Lillywhite and Jeff are all over there. Uh, they were really great investors for us. And why? Because they invested, they believed in us. They weren't necessarily a, um, they weren't, they actually didn't have the background of being a sports company, um, but they liked the product, they liked the model, they wanted to understand what we were doing, but they never gave us an, a, a false timeline or any pressure, they just asked the right questions. And what they're, what Summit Capital is looking for now is to provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of the business they work in. Uh, in other words, or an owner seeking to sell their business. But if someone works, you know someone who's working for an owner, maybe they believe they can take the company to new places, the timeline's a little different for, for everyone. Summit Capital will bring in the capital, allow you, your equity is going to be your knowledge of the company, let the two of you build it up together and take the company to new heights. The owner gets bought out, they win, you're the new owner, you have a great chance now for grandeur and it all works out. They're all entrepreneurs themselves, they approach investing through the mind of that entrepreneur and unlike a private equity or a venture fund, they're not giving you that artificial timeline, I can attest to that. Feel free to text Matt at 801-796-2033, that's 801-796-2033. Or email him at LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. That's LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Super appreciate it. And uh, if you have not prepped up for the NFL season, we do have the ultimate NFL preview uh, coming your direction that's available on Locked On NFL YouTube feed and all sorts of others. All right, let's switch it over to our format for uh, Ask LOJ today and the um, Ask LOJ first uh, question comes in from who else but wait it's me the question's coming from me Um, let me see if I can space things up I cannot I'm having a hard time here let's see if I can do this oh nope Ask LOJ is gonna have to just come back up to the front okay um We'll switch that around, and you guys on video will know what's going on. All right, I'm sending in my ask own Ask LOJ to the show today, um, and that is, uh, if Donovan Mitchell had been drafted by Cleveland in 2018 like Colin Sexton, played his first three years in Cleveland with that roster, no Rudy Gobert, how much more would have Cleveland won, and how would he be perceived? So feel free to jump on this in the chat room if you want to. Um, the here's the Here's the concept here, and that is that... Donovan, Colin Sexton is, and, I, and we're maybe I'm going to find out, you know, frankly, maybe we're going to find out in person there's a reason why this is the case. Often, you know, you see someone and he kind of has right now, he has a little bit of what I would call the Monte Ellis um, approach to how people feel about him, which I'm not sure, you know, it's not necessarily a compliment if we're being completely honest about um, what that means for people. They, they don't totally see the Monte Ellis aspect as a massive compliment um, to who you are as a player. It means you're a little selfish and you're not necessarily about winning and some things like that. So that doesn't seem to be, you know, the greatest compliment you could you could give someone. The other side of this is that I look at that roster and I like wonder, well, what did you really expect out of him? Like, I, I, I think there's... So let me walk through a little bit just without boring you to death. If you look at the, the roster 
that Colin Sexton was, was grown into, it was in a rebuild. It's unfortunate for him. He's going to be back into this again with Cleveland. And they didn't win any games, but I'm not sure that Colin Sexton wins games anywhere with that roster. I'm not sure anyone does. This isn't like trying to criticize Donovan. I think Donovan's fabulous. But the, the, this team with Tyron Lue starts 0-6. Larry Drew takes over. They win 19 games Colin Sexton's first year. He's 20 years old Twenty years old at the time. Jetty Osmond leads the team in minutes played at 32. Alec Burks is second. He only played 34 games the team. Then Tristan Thompson. Then Rodney Hood. Jordan Clarkson's on the team. Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. That is not a particularly good team. Colin Sexton shoots 43% from the floor, 40% from three. He only makes 44% of his twos. Not great. His effective field goal percent is 48. It's totally inefficient. He's a rookie. He's 20 years old. He scores 17 points, three rebounds, and three assists. Okay, nothing great. The next year in 1920, he starts with John Beeline, who turned out to be one of the grandest disasters of any coach in NBA history. Great, great college coach. Brilliant offense. My total NBA disaster. So he's now on his third coach in half a year and a half. J.B. Bickerstaff takes over in the second half of the season for the final 11 games before COVID hits. He plays 65 games. He shoots 47% from the field, 38 from three. He makes 50% of his twos. His effective field goal percentage is now above league average at 52%. His free throw percentage is 85%. He averages 21 points a game. That team, which stayed really healthy, was Colin Sexton, a 20-year-old Darius Garland, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, and Eddie Osman with Kevin Porter, Larry Nance, and Dante Exum coming off the bench. It was a bad team, badly coached. We go to 2021. Now, J.B. Bickerstaff's the head coach, so it's his fourth head coach in his third season. The team is now Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, a 20-year-old Isaac Okoro, a 22-year-old Jared Allen has acquired for 51 games. And Larry Nance Jr. is really the primary. Jetty Osmond's on that team as well. They win 22 games for the third straight year. And Colin Sexton shoots 48% from the field, 37% from three, another 51% from two, another 52% effective field goal percentage from three, and 24 points a game with three rebounds and four assists. Those numbers are great. Those teams are bad. Like, I don't know. Maybe we're going to get Colin Sexton and find out that the evaluation of him as a Monte Ellis-type player is totally fair. But a lot of me kind of wonders a little bit of whether or not this is fair. I I don't know. But I'm super interested. And what I really, and, and maybe to my point of where I think it's unfair, is what would happen if we were to take this and put Donovan Mitchell in those lineups. And and we all know we think Donovan's great, and I think Donovan's great. There's no, I'm not, like, don't misunderstand this, that I'm somehow changing my feeling on Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell's great. I think Donovan Mitchell got put into a really good circumstance with Rudy Gobert and with a great head coach in, in Quinn Snyder. And I wonder whether or not if Donovan Mitchell had started in Cleveland with that lineup, now he was Fabulous as a rookie. He wins the Oklahoma City Series, and maybe it would be different. But I wonder. That, that's all I'm saying. That's my Ask LOJ. If I was asking LOJ today, that would have been my question. So, kind of an int- I don't know. Hopefully you think that's at least interesting. Let's go to the next question, because I don't need to dominate the show. Um, let's get to what the 
uh, now that you've seen the war chest the Jazz were able to amass, what are you personally feelings on the rebuild? If you could pull a lever and the next season is a 50-win first-round exit team, but the last year's squad, do you pull it? It's a great question. I mean, so you've got seven first-round draft picks coming to you. You have two first-round picks from this season. So basically nine. You have Colin Sexton, Lowry Markkinen, and you're, you're starting this process. Would I rather have had the exact same team rolled out for a 50-win first-round exit, maybe second round, you know, four, five, six seed? It's gonna be, it would be tough. Like, the Mavericks or the Timberwolves are not making the play-in game this year is the way the odds say it right now. Um, you know, I get where we're doing. Like, I get it, right? Like, Danny Ainge is, like, truly contend. I get it. Um, I've said it. As a play-by-play announcer, 50 wins is super. But this is also going to be really pretty exciting and quite a journey and really fun. And and really, what you're really talking about in some ways is you're talking about the enjoyment of a multi-year process compared to the enjoyment of a single season, right? So when I talk about, well, I love 50 wins because I get to call a bunch of interesting games. Now what I'm really talking about is calling, if I'm fortunate enough to, 240, 320 games over a three and four year span and watching the uptick and the growth and seeing the process work out and seeing Danny Ainge craft the roster, pretty fascinating stuff, pretty entertaining, pretty exciting. So I think that, you know, you can, you can see that just as well and just as interestingly as, as what we're doing um, with the Jazz. All right, back to our next question on Ask LOJ. What was it like covering Sue Bird? Is she the last of the true point guards? Do you think Utah will ever have a shot at winning, a uh, shot at another WNBA team? Thank you for asking about Sue, Curtis. So I had Sue when she was a rookie. It was wonderful. She was actually as true a person as you see on television all the time. Um, she's really just, and, I, and I've stayed in touch with her relatively. She's so famous now that I feel like it's almost impossible. Um, we had a nice lunch together in Denver a few years ago. Um, she actually almost worked with, we actually had a deal done. That's a different story. I won't tell that. Um, but anyway, um, she's, she's true to, you know, she became more true to who she was as years went on, as she kind of came out and she has said it, you know, revealed her who she was sexually. And so therefore her sexuality. And so therefore became more true. But I, I always felt she was just a down to earth, really nice, um, real person. Um, it was wonderful to watch her grow. Um, I had the fortunate opportunity we flew commercial to sit next to her on some plane flights along the way and um, and see what she you know how she's grown up and now and and have really real conversations with her. I'm a, a massive fan. I cried the other night. Um, it was really emotional to watch her wrap up what's an amazing career and you know she, I, I miss games her rookie year because my son was born. He's now a gap year sophomore in college. So she's really, she's really, she's really, truly remarkable. And if you have not been watching the WNBA playoffs, you've really missed out. The last few games have just been unbelievable. I hope we get a team. I think the league is great. Its growth is amazing. The The league that was here with the Utah Stars and the league that exists today is is totally different. Chelsea Gray, who is who the Las Vegas Aces player, when we didn't have that in the league, and she wasn't even an all-star. Um, so the quality of games is just is through the roof. The game scoring's awesome. Ball movement's awesome. Set plays, shooting, it's great. I uh, love it and enjoy watching it. I would love to would love to have it back in in Salt Lake City. That would be that would be truly truly awesome. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, let's get to our next Ask Loj question. 
Thank you very much. What Jazz team would win more games? Utah if they made the Rudy trade or Utah if they made the Donovan trade? Ooh, Dale. All right, I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to leave that out there. Chat room is pretty active right now. Good live audience. I want quick answers to this. I should have. I should launch a quick poll question. Um, let's see if I can launch. I'm going to launch a quick poll question. Can I launch? Oh, I've already launched a poll question, so it will not allow me to launch another poll question. Um, I had a Colin Sexton, will you score 25 points or more? I thought I could sneak in another poll question um, during it, but it will not allow me to do two poll questions. So I will ask in the chat room, which team would win more? Just the Rudy trade or just the Donovan trade? Super interesting question. Let's see what people have to say. I'll come back and get your comments and your thoughts on it. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. All sorts of great uh, opportunities for you. Weekend ahead, obviously, uh, of the NFL weekend. What a game last night. The Bills couldn't have looked better. Uh, the number one place for all your betting news, information, odds, uh, podcasts, rest. It's all at betonline.net. Early lines, Ravens are a six and a half point favorite over the Jets. If you're playing Survivor Pool, the biggest line of the week, which is often how a Survivor Pool, no line more than seven should be a great week of NFL action. That's interesting, kind of parody of the league. The only one is Indianapolis is a seven point favorite over the Houston Texans. That's the biggest line. Chiefs are six and a half over the Arizona Cardinals. And the uh, Bengals are six over the non-Ben Roethlisberger Steelers. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Carolina Panthers are a pick'em and a grudge match. Uh, good games all around. Go to betonline.net to get the latest on everything that's going on. By the way, if you're into predictions and gambling, we also have a new NFL show that's sponsored by Bet Online that will launch at Locked On NFL. Um, so go, you can grab that at Locked On NFL. It's the five key games. Will be the. It's basically it's the five games that will get the most national television time. And then we uh, we give you the bets and predictions and previews on those games. So that if you're going to be watching a game and want to have the entertainment uh, and get involved this weekend, that's the way you can do it uh, with Bet Online. All right, which team would win more games? The heck of a question. Heck of a question. Um, I wonder what the chat room is saying. So one team would start Colin Sexton. Mike Conley's probably coming off the bench at this point, right? Maybe. Colin Sexton, Mike Conley. No, Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, because he's replacing Donovan. Or you could go, yeah, so Colin Sexton, Donovan, uh, uh, Mike Conley, with Lowry, Boyan Bogdanovich, Lowry Markkinen, and Rudy Gobert. Little weak on the bench. We miss Joe Ingles. We miss Royce O'Neal. Little weak on... The other roster is Mike Conley, Malik Beasley... Boyan Bogdanovich, Jared Vanderbilt. No, wait, I did that wrong. Mike Conley, Donovan Mit. Wait a sec. This is. See if I got this right. Sorry. I wish I had a graphic for this. This is a great question. All right, let's do this again. We've traded Donovan. So it's Colin Sexton, Mike Conley, Lowry Markinen, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert. Okay, does that team win more games when we trade Rudy Gobert? It's Mike Conley. Donovan Mitchell, Malik Beasley, Boyan Bogdanovich, 
Or Jared Vanderbilt might start it there. Or Jared Vanderbilt is your center. Walker Kessler is your center. I think the Donovan... I think the Rudy Gobert team with Donovan traded because it got Colin Sexton and Lowry Markkinen back wins more games. Like, I think if you just had traded Donovan and you're going Conley Sexton, Boyan, Markkinen, Gobert you win more games. But, do either truly contend? Right? That's really the question. That's a fun one. I wonder what the chat room, what's the chat room debate going on uh, on that one right now uh, is interesting. Good good conversation on that one. Some Rick is saying the Donovan trade. Um, Lacey's saying I would build around Rudy. Evan saying Rudy's team with Donovan. I think that's right, just because you got so much more for Donovan in actual active players today. Bob says, Rudy's defense gives you all the wins. I I think that's probably, like, and then he he retracted it. Rudy's defense gives you a lot of regular season wins, and then we just get back into that ever-ending question of, like, the teams that are good enough to make the playoffs seem to be able to reduce Rudy's defensive impact and exploit his offensive weakness more than that happens in the regular season. Like, that's, that seems to be kind of the, 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 I think, where we all kind of have seen this kind of evolve. All right, let's get to some more questions because they're so good. Um, appreciate you guys, and I don't know if I'm going to get to them. Which veterans do we keep to maintain a winning culture? So this is a really interesting question by Zach because the implication of the question, I think, might be false. And that is that the veterans lead to maintaining a winning culture. And I am not sure, like, I buy that, just if I'm going to be totally honest with everyone. I I don't know if I buy that. Um, What I think you're trying to build, that Will Hardy and the coaching staff has to build, is a work culture and a commitment to doing things right culture. And that, I think, is maybe easier to do with actually out the veterans. What you also have to make sure you don't have is what Sam uh, Hankey got in Philadelphia when they were doing the process, which was just kind of youngsters running amok. And they, and they got, you know, that's when they kind of really got some real criticism. So there is a balance there. But I just to, pre- just to be perfectly honest, I, I don't buy the premise of the question that the veteran leads to that. Would one, this is from Bud, would one Laker pick plus a swap in 2028 be enough for the Jazz to get the deal with L.A. done? Would allow L.A. to keep one of its picks while also giving a Jazz a second lottery ticket that Ainge seems to covet? It's a good question of whether or not going to get that, you know, I think what's going to get really interesting here is Indiana and Utah have similar intentions and similar packages to the Lakers and the Lakers have to trade Russell Westbrook. And will the Lakers be able to avoid trading both first round picks because the other teams actually really need to make the deal? That if for some reason Indiana and Cleveland don't make the Laker deal, that they actually don't have another deal on the table and then they've got an awkward situation with those players and the Lakers are able to get a better deal out of it. That's that's the game that's being played a little bit right now on that. Along with what you've said, the most valuable picks are on the Jazz rebuild. Is there a threat of winning too many games of the current roster to be inside the top five of the draft? There's there's always a threat. Um, but there's a lot of really, really good teams in the NBA right now, so I'm not particularly worried about that. I mean, I think it, we have to see how the roster plays out and, and who's playing all the minutes before that happens. Um. 
Zach asks, when drafting, how much weight do you place in past successful players' physical profiles over unicorns like Women Yaba, best player on a championship team, is usually 6'5", six, 6'9", six, wings. I think there's something to it. I mean, like, I've never been a Chris Dapps-Prazingis guy because I just thought there was a reason why he was a unicorn. Uh, Wendon Yaba seems to be a little different than that and seems to be truly remarkable. Um, so there might be some some element um, where I think, you know, he might just truly... Be, he, he just looks great. But I, you know, I, I like track record. I like numbers. B-Dog uh, says, what, with the idea of Boyan, Mike, and Jordan not being on the roster this year, do you think this group has a chance to make the playoffs... Uh, there is a ton of young, good young talent. You know, I think I agree with you that there's all these pieces. And like, so if you don't have Boyan, Mike, and Jordan on the roster, then you're saying we're starting Colin Sexton with Malik Beasley and probably um, maybe uh, Markinen with Vanderbilt and Kessler or Udoka and I, or even Ubaji maybe um, or Balmero or Fonchecchio. Um, I think that those are, you know, those are all new names to us. I, I do think there's a lot of really good young talent there. And I think that you're beginning to see these pieces that are going to be important to the jazz. But I also would tell you that I think it's a, um, I think, you know, young talent doesn't win a lot in the NBA and, and it's super hard to win, win as young talent. All right. We've kind of become to get a tradition on this show that when we do ask LOJ that the last question makes us all laugh and leave for the weekend with a uh, smile. And so I turn it over to our final question on Ask LOJ from Kurt. Did Donovan call Gail? Hope everyone's smiling. Have a great weekend. Thanks very much for tuning in. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, your team every day.